Green and White Noise is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Michigan State ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You know, the first time we started these Game Time apps, we had somebody who reached out and said that they got a cheaper ticket through Game Time to the Ohio State game than they had through the other ticket sellers. If you're looking to go to the Illinois game this weekend or the Michigan game the week after that, make sure you check out Game Time to find the cheapest way to find those tickets. Game Time has tickets across all major leagues and teams. The app is simple, very easy to navigate. Two-tap checkout, that's all you need. It's not only sports tickets either, it's music, theater, concerts, whatever you want. Make sure you check out Game Time for that. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him! Wide open! He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU! Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. My name is Chris Vanini. I'm joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts. It's time to talk Michigan State football, performance-enhancing drugs, and we are joined by the Athletics' Nick Baumgartner to talk big-picture MSU stuff down the road. Reminder, uh, for those who didn't listen, Thursday's podcast available available for Athletic subscribers only. We had former MSU linebacker Greg Jones on, talked about his Time at MSU, his thoughts on the current team and his thoughts on Mark D'Antonio's future. A lot of good stuff in there. Highly recommend you guys go check that out on the Athletic app if you haven't. And Colton did a great job hosting with the intro and the outro to that podcast. Monday, we've reached one month since MSU last won a game. It has not been an exciting time for Michigan State football. Coming off another bye week. Colton, how did you spend your bye week? Yeah, you know, the last bye week, I went home to Chicago because a friend of mine had her baby shower. Um, this weekend, I also went back because one of my best friends had his gender reveal party. So this weekend, I kind of... Do you have any news to break on here? I, I don't myself, but uh, I don't know, maybe like five years, 10 years from now. <laughs> but I came to the realization that all my friends are having kids and settling down, and I'm just kind of waking up Saturday mornings, eating cereal and watching SpongeBob. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of where my life is at right now. <laughs> who, who's the real winner here? I, I tell you, it's you. I, hey, I'll take that. I like my life right now. <laughs> yes. Thanks again for holding down the pod last week. I was at Appalachian State for the week, kind of doing a behind-the-scenes thing on them, which will be out later this week. And while I was there, while I was sitting in the rain in a parking lot, uh, I got an email from Michigan State that, Linebacker Joe Bocci was suspended for testing positive for some supplement, something along the lines of performance enhancing or whatever that was banned. Uh, 
So I've not followed this all that closely because I was busy. Colton, you've kind of been in the middle of this. What has been going on with Joe Bocci? Yeah, you know, you know it's funny because after the last bye week, we were kind of keeping an eye on the transfer portal, just trying to see if any new names popped up in there. So it seemed like it was going to be a relatively quiet week. You know, there was no new news on that front. And then all of a sudden, I see an email that read, Joe Bocci declared ineligible. And I was like, all right, you've got to be kidding me at this point. <laughs> but that's where we're at. Um, so Joe Bocci, you know, he had a random drug test and – he tested positive for a supplement that is classified as a performance-enhancing substance. Um, MSU filed an appeal with the Big Ten hoping to get it overturned, but, you know, I don't know how likely that would be at this point. Um, you know, we're not sure what the substance is, so it really probably wouldn't be fair to jump to conclusions, but athletes are ultimately responsible for what goes in their bodies. So even if it was, you know, an over-the-counter supplement that contained something Bocce didn't know was banned or, or something like that, it, it's still on him to kind of make sure. So... Michigan State is, is going to be without arguably its best player, um, you know, the quarterback of the defense, the guy that controls the defensive lineman, the secondary, all those signals. Like, he is their guy, and, and they're going to play without him for what could be the rest of the season. Was this a suspension by the Big Ten or the NCAA? Um, so I, I think it was the Big Ten technically, but they're kind of, you know, going by the NCAA's rules and, and kind of like their system. Um, okay. So, yeah, MSU is going to appeal this, but Bocce can't even play while the appeal is ongoing. Um, yeah. He's suspended for a calendar year from the start of the test date, I think. So if he doesn't win the appeal, his career is over. Yeah, if this is if this is an NCAA test, an issue like it sounds like, um, it's very, very unlikely he will hear back on his appeal Um We've seen this in, in recent years. Uh, Will Greer, when he was quarterback at Florida, mm-hmm. uh, had a similar test, and he ended up transferring because he was he was out. Because you're out for a calendar year. Bocce's a senior. There's obviously not much time left. Earlier this year, David Moore, the quarterback at Central Michigan, uh, tested positive for some sort of substance and was suspended for a calendar year. And they were very, very skeptical that they would be able to hear back anyway and we're just kind of assuming he was done for the year so it it is very very likely that this is the end of joe bocce's career at michigan state and very unfortunate and it brings to mind max bolo the former linebacker who was suspended for reasons that did not ever come out publicly before the rose bowl but two very good linebackers among the best in msu history whose career ends end with uh, suspensions um which is just uh, just unfortunate. And moving forward, Colton, who do you expect to fill that role um, at linebacker? I think they can go a few different ways. Um, you know, Noah Harvey is, is technically Joe Bocci's backup. And, you know, he's gotten a lot of playing time this year just as a reserve. So I guess he could move into the starting role at middle linebacker. But, you know, MSU also cross-trained Tyreek Thompson at middle linebacker over the summer. And I think they're probably more comfortable with him. And I think that might be a better spot for him, honestly. You know, obviously you don't want to take Joe Bocci off of middle linebacker if, if he's available, but I think Tyreek Thompson, you know, he's not the fastest guy, so he might be better suited for a middle linebacker position anyway. Um, so maybe you slide him in there and then you get maybe Noah Harvey playing on the outside or Chase Klein, a young guy that will probably play a lot next year. Um I think they got a few different options. Obviously, you know, Brandon Boyer-Randall was another guy that could play that Sam linebacker spot, which is what Tyreek Thompson plays. So if he were to slide over and, and Boyer-Randall were still here, 
I think he yeah. would be the starter, but you know, that's one of those issues where, you know, you have a guy transfer that might've played next year or had a reserve role and you know, you kind of lose some depth there. So, um, I think they have a few different options, but I guess we're going to have to wait and see till this Illinois game comes up. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if, if they hear anything back on Bocce, but, uh, I guess anything is possible. So again, we're going to talk about Illinois on Thursday's podcast. Uh, but let's bring in Nick Baumgartner to kind of take a big picture look at uh, MSU, where things are at, and also schematically some things we've talked about, uh, problems. Nick does a really good job of identifying those. So let's get into that. And we welcome in Nick Baumgartner of the Athletic Detroit. He is a Michigan State alumnus, a former Michigan beat writer, now a senior writer for the Athletic Detroit, writing about Michigan, Michigan State, the Lions, all things football in the state of Michigan. He also hosts RPM run past Michigan pod with the athletics, Austin Meek and the beat Michigan, Michigan state college basketball pod with Brendan Quinn, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to want to check out, especially starting this week. Nick, what's going on? Hey guys, how are we doing? We are good. It has been quite a, quite a while since we've had some football to talk about. Two yeah. two bye weeks and three ga- uh, two buys and three weeks, three games that have been pretty ugly for Michigan State. Uh, this w- this weekend, you know, we all watched a, a Michigan win, a Lions loss. It has not been a great year for state of. <laughs> it's not been a great uh, year for football in this state. As someone who watches all of it, what's kind of the mood among the football watchers in Michigan? Uh, yeah, it's like uh, I don't know what to ex- how to explain anymore. I think like. Michigan State fans are, you know, just completely exhausted, it feels like at this point. Michigan fans are exhausted in a different way, and then Lions fans are just, they don't know what to do. So it's just this, like, layered hopelessness of, uh, you know, how much longer do we have to watch this and put up with it? But people seem to keep coming back every week, so uh, here we are. Um, Hopefully some things will maybe get interesting here this month, I don't know. But, you know, the Lions especially are now, like, trending into... No man's land, where at yeah. least Michigan State's situation is interesting, if nothing else, uh, even if it's not an exciting for people. Uh, and same with Michigan. So, you know, I guess this is college college here on out the rest of the way. It's going to have to carry us one way or the other, good or bad. <laughs> uh, Nick, quick follow-up to that. Uh, which of these football teams has been the most frustrating for fans? Uh, I guess it depends on who you ask. I, I honestly think it's been – I think it's been Michigan State. It should be Michigan State. Um, there's Michigan fans that are – livid and furious um you know sitting at seven and two but most of them or a good number of them anyway have calmed down some given uh the way that they were able to beat notre dame and then get themselves back i mean that could change of course in like 30 seconds but um you know they've they've calmed down quite a bit i think they are the frustration there is how they started the season because you know they expected to be a team and i think most of us did expected them to be a team that was at least competitive with uh, the top tier, maybe maybe where Penn State's at right now, where they're unbeaten and, and have a chance to, you know, maybe shake 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 some things up. But but Michigan State, I think it's more because I feel like everybody saw this coming, right? I mean, I feel like everybody that you talked with or spoke with in August, um, and I didn't really start getting into it until August, but obviously I knew what was going on throughout the off season, having lived lived here and everything. But everyone saw this coming. It was like, what did you expect? You know, when you're talking about Mark D'Antonio, it's like, well, I don't know what you expected to happen when you didn't really change anything. You took a, you took a flawed season last year where you had a terrific defense and you wasted it. 
Uh, and then you basically came back and said, we're going to do the exact same thing. While, while trying to tell people that you weren't going to do the exact same thing, you know, almost lying to them in some ways. And then, you know, the result is what it is. I mean, it's almost identical and in some ways worse um, because, you know, Brian Lewerke's healthy and they're still not, you know, doing anything uh, to note offensively. So yeah. it's been, uh, I, I would say it's probably been Michigan State. Yeah, let's go back to August there. So you, you've done yeah. some really good film review pieces that people should check out, even even go back and look at. You pointed to some things that MSU needed to do differently. What, Like you said, Brad Salem takes over as offensive coordinator, supposed to do some different things. I think we've seen some different things, although it hasn't been effective. What did you think coming into this year that MSU needed to do, given what it had? Well, I... It was interesting because I didn't know what it was gonna, what that was gonna mean. I, I I knew they had to, you know, do something with their offense in terms of you know schematic adjustments, and and in some ways they have, um, you know, a lot of last season, of course, was uh, you know two tight ends and a fullback. So I mean, it was it was gonna have to be, you know, you're gonna have to just run your stuff out of you know what we call the eleven personnel, where you you, you can put three receivers on the field and go with it. It was before Jalen Naylor got hurt, and I thought my initial thought was. Okay, well, this guy needs to be out there all the time, or yeah. someone like Jalen Naylor. If it, if if he got hurt, then it would have needed to be like Lares Nelson, or you were going to get Julian Barnett up to speed. Someone else was going to have to be in there with Stewart and uh, and Cody White. The two tight end thing had to go. The fullback had to go, and you can run a lot of what Michigan State was trying to run, but you can run it out of spread formations. And and they they fixed their tempo. They were they were a little faster with that. Um, Yes, and that, I think that's, that some, time, that's something I that's something I was yeah. mentioning all the time. Is that the tempo? Yeah, they fixed that. So I mean, like you know, it's it's faster. It's not breakneck speed or yeah. anything, but it's it's at least faster, and they've been able to move the ball. But I thought you can do all those things um, given the situation you have, and you're going to still run the same offense because I know I know that you are. I mean, there's no way you're changing anything. I mean, you have the same assistant coaches that you had for a decade, okay. so there's not anything else you're really going to change other than maybe the look of it. Um, and really what it was going to come down to was could you get enough development out of your offensive line and find somebody at receiver that was able to, or maybe multiple somebodies that was able to, to make one-on-one uh, wins in the red zone. Because I thought, okay, you do all those things, you'll be able to move the ball through the 20s, which they've kind of done. But when you get down to the red zone, it's going to be really tough. Because if you can't block anybody, you can't move the ball in the red zone. And if you don't have receivers or athletes in space, uh, that can win one-on-one battles, you're not going to score points. And and so what it all comes down to, and this was it in August, and I really tried to find a delicate way to write it, and I think Colton and I have been trying all year. Um, it's it's talent. I mean, they don't have a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. They just don't have enough explosive players on offense um, to be anything that scares anybody. And, uh, you know, that is a recruiting thing. Uh, that is something that has continued in recruiting. They have not had very strong classes um, I would say they've had weak classes, frankly, uh, in, a, in a lot of these areas. So those are things that can't really be corrected in one season, but I thought maybe you could find – I mean, they found Elijah Collins. That's a positive. But, you know, I mean, Elijah Collins is a nice player, but he's not, you know, he's not going to fix everything that ails you. So they needed a lot more of that. They haven't found it, and, um, you know, here you are. I mean, you're basically in the same boat. And now, uh, more than that, defensively, they're, they're, they're getting busted as well. And I almost keep wondering, you know, how long is the defense going to be able to mentally hang in with these situations, and I think we're starting to see a little a little of that deteriorate, but at the same time, yeah. they did just get through this terrible stretch, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, I mean, it's kind of clear that things aren't getting better. We're now eight games into the year. Um, Michigan State's 108th in total offense, 110th in scoring. 
what are, what are the options here? You know, how do you how do you fix this offense right now? Yeah, I've been thinking about that all week. I mean, I I don't, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I, I just it's because it, it's been it hasn't been one thing. It's it's been a horde of many things. I you know I I think they lead at one point they were leading the country in drops. I mean that's you know you don't need that on top of everything else that you have in terms yes. of issues. So I mean that's obviously you can fix that. You can fix those things. You can fix. You know, D'Antonio a lot of times would point to pre-snap penalties and things like that that were hurting him a little bit. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's um, they've got to figure out a way to start winning first down more, to start doing things. They're, they're going to be able to keep drives alive. But, you know, the thing that's going to change it for them and the thing that's going to help them or the thing that's going to fix it or whatever would be explosive plays. And uh, it's just it's hard to mm-hmm. see that with, with what they have right now because, you know, I think it was Urban Meyer said this on one of the Fox things, and he's been great all year. He said it uh, maybe like in September, and I think he might have been talking about Michigan actually uh, when they were really struggling to move the ball. And you know, he he nailed it because he said, you know, in college football these twelve play drives that go eighty yards and take seven minutes are like impossible because somebody's going to screw something up. You're going to have a false start. You're going to have somebody hold somebody. You're going to have somebody drop a pass. You have to have somebody who can hit like a forty yard play. You have to have somebody who can hit a chunk and. You know they don't have a lot of that, and you know they don't. Not only do they not have a lot of that, they don't have a lot of that schemed up in their system. I mean, their system is very ball control still. They try to methodically move the ball, chew the clock, win the game ten to three. It's just you're playing. They, they continue to play football like the hardest way possible, and it's, and it's even harder now because the defense, especially without Joe Bocci, um, is is not going to be able to hold up like that for for an entire game against better teams, and we saw that against Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State. Luckily for them, you know, the only real good team they have left, it seems, you know, on their schedule in terms of that level of talent would be Michigan. But at the same time, you're, you're sitting here, you know, staring at 4-4, four and four and, and who knows what's going to happen in the next next couple. So, um, the, yeah, I think the answer is explosive plays, but I'm just not sure where it comes from. You can't run a trick play every play. It's got to be something that comes organically through your offense. Right. That, that's exactly what I've been saying all year. It's been a problem since 2015 when, when Connor Cook could just throw it up to Aaron Burbridge. They, they have right. not been able to do that for a very long time. And you mentioned the offense not really being schemed to that. Now, that's what I was going to ask was, how much of this do you put on the coaches versus the players? Like, I mean, we know route running has been a problem. Guys are, are yeah. not getting open downfield. Maybe they're not just schemed up to get very open downfield. I don't know how much of the the, the all 22 film you're able to, to find, but in your observations, how much of that is uh, coaches versus players? I, I think it's a little bit of both because, I mean, I think you're asking certain guys, again, it's, it's dealing with the roster that you have, and at the same time, you're the one who created that roster if you're the coaching staff, right? Yeah. So it's you're playing with your own limitations on your roster, but it's like, that's your roster. You made it. You could have done something better or different. It hurt him that Jalen Naylor got hurt so quickly. I mean, that I think that probably gets lost in the shuffle a lot here because it happened so long ago. But when you watch last year's tape, you just kept saying, why is this guy not in the game more? Why is this guy not in the game more? Every time he touched the ball, it felt like something happened. And you thought going into this season, well, at least they seem to have a plan and that seemed to be a big part of their their plan was we're going to get rid of the fullback or the extra tight end and Naylor's going to be on the field more. That's just what we're going to do. And, you know, we never got to see what that looked like because he got hurt in, what, in between game one and game two. So I think that that stung a lot because he's one of the guys that could create space in terms of, you know, getting open and getting really open. Um, you know, but Daryl Stewart and Cody White are nice receivers. Um, 
I think Stewart's improved in just about every area of his game. He's got pretty strong hands. I'm surprised at these drop numbers that he's yeah, had me too. because over the years he's been a pretty steady, uh, pretty steady guy in terms of right. you know if the ball's in his area he catches it. But they're both guys who are you know I guess you know for lack of a better term the possession receiver. I mean they're not game breakers. They're not guys who are going to run free. You know I mean when I look at what Michigan does and Michigan's frustration with people or fans that get frustrated are why aren't you taking more advantage of this because they have Nico Collins I mean they have Mm -hmm. a guy that when in when in doubt just run him on a go route and there's not I mean there's probably a couple corners somewhere in the Big Ten but not many who can body that guy up and just it's either going to be a catcher or or pass interference I mean it happens like twice a game and Michigan State doesn't have that they don't have anybody that can do that they don't have anybody that can stretch the field they don't have anybody that can command double coverage or a bracket or something, you know, that helps too. When you have a guy who's explosive on the outside, Aaron Burbridge, for example, you know, defensive backs are going to have to account for him and you're going to have to shade with a safety and that opens up the run game, that opens up everything else. They are lacking, severely lacking in terms of explosive playmakers on offense. Um, I think if you were like brought in a, a spread guru and found a spread quarterback, you could probably mitigate some of those issues. And if you changed everything completely and flipped it on its head, maybe you could create some stuff out of that. But they didn't do that, and they weren't going to do that. And if they did that now, it would be such an overhaul that I'm not sure what that would lead into. So really what what this all boils down to is, you know, what are you going to do to fix the rest of the season? But what are you going to do going forward? Because that's kind of the bigger question for me is this – this team screams rebuild next season, one way or the other. It screams that it needs to be remade, and, and the roster needs to be really examined in terms of there are certain areas in recruiting that you've got to get better at, and how is that going to look and feel? Because, I mean, you guys know they are losing. You're losing your senior quarterback, and, I mean, you're losing guys who can play. You're losing guys right now that we're talking about that aren't going to be back here defensively as well, especially defensively. You're going to have to re reexamine this whole thing and figure out what you want to do and make a decision. And, you know, those are going to be tough decisions, even if it is, even if it ends up being Mark Antonio here, you know, it's what do you, how are you, how is this going to look? Because it can't look like this anymore. This can't, this can't be what you do. I mean, you, you, he, he played the razor's edge thing for so long, the trestle ball that I mean, it works when you have an NFL quarterback. It works when you have a couple guys who he can throw to and get the ball on field. And when you have a nasty offensive line, they don't have any of those. And so when you don't have any of those, you're left with, you know, exactly what we see every every Saturday. Yeah, Nick, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but do you feel like if D'Antonio does return for another year, does he have to make some staff changes at this point? I mean, it feels inevitable. I, I mean, it feels like he not only has to make some staff changes, but I, it feels like he would have to make sizable philosophical changes, I would think. I mean, I think that offensively they have got to update things. I mean, they've got to be able to, you know, maybe look at how they scout players better. I don't know. I mean, they, things have got to change some way, somehow, um, in terms of they're looking for, because they just have no ability to change the game offensively. They just, they don't. I mean, they it's it's hang in there, hang in there, and hope the other team screws up. And I mean, everybody's kind of figured this out, and they were so tough to play when they were really good because they obviously had great defenses, but their offense was always very underrated. I mean, they always had very good offensive lines who could control the ball. They didn't turn it over. They didn't screw it up. They had they had an NFL quarterback, Kirk Cousins, who started for, what, three or four years in a row? And then that immediately transitions basically with one gap year to Connor Cook, who starts for three years. So, I mean, that's like seven years of a legit NFL quarterback leading your offense. And when you take those guys out of it, their offense in the D'Antonio era has been bad. Because when you don't have this legit arm who can bail you out on third and 11, third and 10, which we've seen those, we saw those guys do all the time, 
you have nothing. And, and and their offense is just sort of there to run clock and then hope the other team would turn the ball over or something and you'd win a grinder of a game. And sometimes it was really cool to watch because they were able to pull it off. But you can't do that anymore because you're not getting those kind of players. And I can't. you're not going to get those kind of players again unless they start winning again. And so they've got to figure, they've got to figure out some things out. So if he is back, I, it has to be. You have to change, I would think, drastically uh, just about everything you're doing offensively. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually guys just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. Sometimes scoring is difficult when you're playing top 10 defenses as well. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash green for, to complete an online visit. Roman.com slash green for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash green for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash green. Yeah, oh, and one other thing on the, on the playmakers that, that we just talked about to plug something Colton wrote uh, a couple weeks ago was uh, that 2016 class. Uh, absolutely decimated. Most of those kids are gone. Yeah. If, Don, if Donnie Corley is a senior this year, you know maybe maybe there's a there's a weapon for you. But but that's right. that's not the case. Um, we're we're going to talk about Illinois later this week. But while we've got you, Nick, um, you you cover Michigan and Michigan State. As right. for that other program, Michigan, ha- have they turned a corner here? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would fully go that far. I think they've settled down. I think that's kind of where I've landed on it. I'm not sure if they've turned a corner. Um, you know, offensively, they were able to rack up, you know, 300-plus on the ground against Notre Dame, and I mean, I, in, a, in a rainstorm and in a game where Notre Dame didn't look prepared to do anything. Um, and then last week against Maryland, you know, they only had, I mean, they were sub 400 yards. It wasn't exactly explosive. There were still some moments of struggle in there. I think what they've done is they've gotten rid of a lot of the you know, unlike Michigan State, they started the year wanting to run everything. They tried to do everything at once uh, with Josh Gaddis. It was uh, like a cornucopia of, <laughs> of everything. I mean, they were running all different kinds of run schemes. They were doing a ton of different stuff in terms of the reads and everything else that they were asking Shea Patterson to make, and he was struggling with those. Uh, the offensive line was struggling with what its assignment was. Everybody didn't know. Nobody quite knew what they were supposed to do. You know, I don't think the offense was installed very well, and so they've had to sort of strip it all down and restart it mid-season. And so it kind of feels like they're, you know, in like week five or week four in terms of what we, you would expect from a new offense rather than week eight or nine. I mean, they're so they're, they're behind. They're still behind in terms of, you know, where they want to be. But I think they've settled down enough to where their defense is starting to, starting to make plays. Their defense has made plays just about every week except for that uh, Wisconsin game. Uh, they're playing more confident. They're mixing coverages. I think the defense has turned its corner and found itself uh, what it wants to be this year. Offensively, I think they've settled down, but I'm just not sure it's going to be anything this year where they're going to show up at a game and somebody's going to be shaking their boots about what what to do offensively or defensively against them, Um, which is a problem because, I mean, again, unlike Michigan State, what we're talking about, Michigan has Nico Collins, who is 
uh, as good a legitimate vertical threat as you'll find anywhere in the Big Ten. They have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's one of the one of the best spaced athletes in the league. Um, Tariq Black is another steady receiver. I mean, Tariq Black's nothing to to, to, to stake, you know shake a stick at, whatever. Uh, they have talented tight ends, and you know these guys are going through games with one or two catches. So I mean, they have issues, but it's not as bad as it was in September. I'm not sure I would say that they've arrived or anything. I still think they're going to fall short of what they should have been in terms of their talent level, but it's starting to make a little bit more sense. Uh, and maybe that bodes well for the future, I don't know, but it's starting to make a little bit more sense. We're two weeks out from the Michigan-Michigan State game, and Nick, we had a meeting last week to talk about coverage and plans for that week, so we got a lot of good stuff coming up. But what, what are your early thoughts on that matchup? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Like, I keep wondering if we're going <laughs> to I keep wondering in my mind, like, are we going to hear Mark Antonio Sam retiring on Monday and then, like, they come out and just, like, light the building on fire on Saturday? And it's like, this is my last game, and here we go. I mean, I don't – I, but I – I mean, I've covered these th- things now since 2011, 2010, 2011, something like that. So, I mean, most of the D'Antonio era, I've seen all the all the Michigan State teams and how they play this game, and I've never seen them not at their best and completely focused and engaged and, you know, and bringing an ability to do something that's above their head. They play above their head every time. Even when they're good, they play, like, their best. Like, when they were, like, 14 and 15, when they were when they were super talented and they were a really good football team. And thirteen, um, I feel like they played like their best game in that in that Michigan game. I mean, they always had their bet their fastball, uh, and of course, when they haven't been so good, they've even had the ability to do that. So, um, you know, on paper, it, it's it it's probably a double digit, you know, Michigan favored by double digits. Um, but you know, in actual reality, from what we know, I mean, we saw this a little bit, right, Chris? I know you remember this in twenty sixteen, uh, and not to say that this team is as bad as the twenty sixteen team. But that was like a 24-point, Michigan was like a 24-point favorite. And I think we all looked at that and we were like, no way. There's no way that's going to, I mean, it was in Spartan Stadium, but it was still like, I mean, they're going to find a way to scrap through that. And I think that that's a factor, um, number one, because I think Michigan is still very aware, very aware of what Michigan State's able to do in those games in terms of bring physicality and everything else. But at the same time, uh, I think Michigan State's going to have harder a harder time stopping the run in this game, especially with Joe Bocci probably out, uh, given the suspension and everything that we know, I, it doesn't. I don't know if he'll get his appeal in time or if he'll win that. Um, I think they'll have a harder time stopping the run, and I think Michigan has enough with its pass game to say, like we just said. I mean, you're going to have to pay more attention to Nico Collins. Uh, they're able to stretch that a little bit, and then defensively, Michigan is they've kind of found their groove, and I, I don't see much of a I don't see much of a way that Michigan State's offense, given what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. I mean, Michigan's defense is every bit as good as Penn State's, maybe better in, overall, and they couldn't really do anything in that game. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the way it looks, but I, I, I just there's that always that hidden little layer there of, uh, you know, what, what Michigan State team are we going to get? Are we going to get something that's we haven't seen all season? I mean, last year's game was a, it was a tie game or a one-score game or a tie game in, like, the fourth quarter. So, um wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me if it was close, but uh, I, I think it'd be hard to pick against Michigan in that one right now. Yeah, I feel like that's the last kind of barometer to see where this program is and where it's fallen. I mean, yeah. like you said, they, they almost always cover that game, uh, the, the, the line, and if they don't, it's usually very close or it, it's a rock fight. And if they go to, to Michigan Stadium and get waxed, I think that yeah. that will feel like the final nail in uh kind of the collapse of everything that D'Antonio has built. And 
we will uh, we'll see. It is between the schedule or the bye weeks. Do you see any reason for MSU to have uh, any optimism the rest of this season? Can, can they scrap together and win seven games? Maybe win a bowl game. It's eight and you're okay with that? I mean, what, 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 what do you think is kind of the, the mindset right now with, with a, with a month ago? I think the only way that you'd be okay, like feel better or be okay would be if they were able to beat Michigan and then get to eight, which is still, you know, far short of, you know, what this program wants to be, I'm sure. I mean, but it's, it would be a, at least it would be, okay, well, you, you, you pulled that one out of the bag. I mean, you had a nice finish because I mean, Illinois, Illinois is playing well, that's, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're not. I mean, they beat Wisconsin, so that's not exactly a gimme. But if you can get Michigan, the other ones are Illinois at home, Maryland at home, Rutgers on the road. You can get those three, and you're looking at eight wins, and you're not feeling great about where you're headed, right, with all the things we talked about. There's some serious questions that have to be answered after the season anyway, but at least you're feeling maybe a little bit better. If you end up with seven, it's exactly the same as last year, and I don't think anybody's happy with that. And if you're worse, then obviously you're worse. So it really does kind of hinge on that Michigan game, it feels like, where – you know, you're going to have to find a way to pull the rabbit out of the hat one more time. And I just, uh, I'm not sure if, uh, if, if that's possible. I mean, that would be the, that would kind of, this would kind of be the ultimate, like, you know, wow, this guy just has it with, with this, (laughs) with this rivalry or something in terms of D'Antonio. I mean, it just, this would be, I think the most, I think everybody remembers that, um, that uh, hurricane game that they had a couple years ago and people thought Michigan was going to win easily in that one. Michigan State beat them and that surprised everybody. This would be more of a, a much more of a surprise, I would think. So um, it all hinges on that one. And, you know, I just, I feel like even seven or eight wins, I, I just, I mean, you guys would know better than I would, I think, but even seven or eight wins, I think the fan base would still be like, we got to see something else. Like, I think they're just, they're just, something's got to change here, whether it be, you know, staff, you know, staff around Antonio or just a new, a new fresh start for everything, because it's not just on the field. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are happening here that have happened and that are still lingering over, you know, the program. I and mean, you just got your captain suspended for a, a PED test. Mark Antonio has to be deposed in the offseason. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people look at and they say, I'm just tired of, you know, reading about this or hearing about it or watching this stuff. I mean, I'm tired of it. And I do think there's a fair number of people that seem to want, you know, a fresh start one way or the other. And I think there's a lot that really would like to see Mark Antonio finish uh, on a good note, and there's probably some that would like to see him back. But I mean, even I think all th- all of those groups would agree that serious change needs to happen one way or the other. Because even if you are able to, you know, pull the rabbit out and and, and win eight games, you're kicking the can down the road. I mean, you can't just keep. You're going to be in the same spot next year if you don't change anything uh, in the middle of the season. It's going to be a struggle. You're going to be, you know, you're and maybe you get lucky in one or two and you and you steal one, but um, you know, it's tough. And and that's why I think that you know, no matter what. You know, some serious conversations at some pretty high levels are going to have to happen here uh, in December and then into January. Yes, I think a lot of fans, especially, I mean, especially all the vocal fans are are ready to move on to something else. But I think they should also realize that, like we said, this is going to be a rebuild for whoever is in charge next year. Um, It's, it's, you know, D'Antonio built this program to incredible heights and yeah. it, it has fallen to this level because he refused to make changes over the last four years and that's what things said and I, I will say real quick as someone who grew up here and, and is familiar with Michigan State's history 
he he brought the program to incredible heights, as you said, Chris. But even this isn't as bad as some of the bottoming out that we've seen. That's true. from other eras. It's not even close. I mean, I can remember eras of Michigan State football that were beyond laughable. I mean, they weren't even competing. It wouldn't even been a question uh, uh, of some of these games. And you know, some of them obviously these last three they weren't competitive. But I mean, if we're talking seven and five or eight and four, or, uh, people aren't really thrilled with. I think that 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 itself illustrates you know how good. Mark D'Antonio was here. I mean, he was able to accomplish things, has been able to accomplish things that I, I frankly didn't think would ever happen. Um, so that's, I, the job is certainly going to be better if he does leave. The job, the next person's job, it's going to be much better for that person than it was for him. And I think that uh, that that sort of thing sort of gets lost in a lot of these conversations when people get so hyper-focused on the moment. But I think it's important to remember that, that they should be able to to put the next coach in a much better position in terms of stability, in terms of what the program should should expect um, going forward. And that's that's a positive, no matter how you look at it. Yes, I, I think it might take a few years, especially a few yeah. rebuilding years, if it's a new coach, for people to to uh, kind of shake these feelings that, that that they've had the last few years. Uh, l- lastly, quick a thought, quick thought on Illinois. Michigan State opened as a thirteen and a half point favorite, which stunning to me uh, <laughs> any, any any thoughts on, on a pick or uh, or anything like that for Michigan State Illinois I think this is a I think Michigan State gets this game I, I mean Illinois has played better uh, of late they have some talent like that's one thing that I will say I mean they've, they've got the transfers from all over the place uh, the kid the receiver Amater Bebe from uh, USC is a really nice player um, they've got some guys on defense that can play a little bit, uh, you know. And the Wisconsin game, you looked at that one and you were like, "How did that happen?" I don't know what happened here. I think Brandon Peters was like nine of twenty-one, yeah. and they still won the game. So it wasn't like he, you know, let anybody on fire. Actually, they have a younger quarterback. I forget. I forget his name now. Who I actually liked better uh, when he played against Michigan. There, I thought I thought he was a better player. But um, you know, this is a game they should win. Uh, I would expect them to win. I don't. I don't know if fourteen or thirteen is is the number I would pick, but uh, it's a game that I think they should win this game. Although at the same time, you know, Illinois is super confident right now. I mean, they've their defense has been much better, um, and that's the one thing that would bother me if I'm if I'm looking at Michigan State here, and that Illinois defense is it hung in there against Wisconsin, it dominated Purdue, and then of course you dominate Rutgers. I mean, they've they've been, they've gotten a lot of confidence defensively over the last few weeks, and that started, I think, in the second half against Michigan when they were able to get some stops and some turnovers. Um, and that's one thing that, if this thing changes, it would be Illinois' defense coming in and giving Michigan State more problems. Uh, I think Michigan State wins the game, but I think it's going to be another one of these ugly, you know, just just get the hell out of here and figure out a way to get through it because I'm I'm not sure I can see them stretching it out and and, and hammering Illinois going into, uh, you know, into the Michigan game. Yeah, I think Illinois leads the nation in takeaways or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting a lot. Yeah. They've recovered a fumble in every game this year, so uh, it'll be interesting. And Colton and I will talk more about that on Thursday. Nick, thanks for joining us, everybody. Make sure you check out his work on the Athletic Detroit for all things football in the state of Michigan. Check him out on RPM, Run Past Michigan podcast, especially next week going into the MSU-Michigan game, as well as the Beat podcast with Brendan Quinn where they're talking – college basketball in the state of Michigan, especially with the MSU-Kentucky game this week. There's a lot to talk about. So, Nick, thanks for joining us. All right, guys, take care. Thanks, Nick. You bet. All right, thanks again to Nick for joining us. Colton, what should readers check out from you this week on The Athletic? Yeah, sorry that published Monday morning. Um, I tried to take a look at Michigan State's scholarship picture for next year. 
Um, that's easier said than done because a lot of the time we don't really know, you know, how long these scholarships are for. Um, Matt Seibert was a player that was put on scholarship over the spring, um, but that, that scholarship did not carry over for the fall. So um, he was recently put back on in September. So there are always these little intricacies with these things, and you're not really sure who's still on scholarship that they were put on at one point. So I tried to take a look at that and just kind of project the numbers for next year. Um, so check that out. Uh, later this week, um, a really cool story is an MSU fan who is trying to you know, collect uh, unused tickets for the Illinois game and just kind of mm. donate them to uh, the Big Brother, Big Sister affiliate here in Lansing, um, which is a really cool opportunity. Mm. Obviously, I think the fan base is obviously a little frustrated with how the season's gone. Um, someone probably rather prefer to just watch at home if they watch at all. So if you have tickets, you know, uh, really cool situation um, and really cool program. I'll have more on that later this week. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, starting this this little program to collect any unused tickets and donate them to uh, kids that might want to see the game. Yeah, and even if you want to buy tickets and donate them, that, that works as well. So yeah. uh, we will be back on Thursday again to talk Illinois and – that one will be for subscribers only, obviously. So that'll do it here. Please rate, review, subscribe, give us feedback. Uh, we always appreciate the kind of stuff. And for, for Colton, I'm Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman. Shout out to the road dog, Jesse James. Thanks, Colton, for continuing this when I'm not the one hosting. <laughs> and we will see you all on the other side. <laughs>